Hello and, Hello and welcome to another uh, Saturday Night Live with Freedom Broadcasters. I'm your host, Chris Ryan from Mind Wars. And once again, we have our usual panel again this week, consisting of Roy Calling from the Awakening Podcast. We have Steve Firo from Awaken Mind. We have Grace Asagra from Quantum Nurse. And we have Hartman Schumacher from Go Your Own Pat. And our special guest this week is Ohio attorney, um, Thomas Renz. Thomas has been doing some fantastic work, especially in the last 12 months, where he's basically been trying to break through the chains of tyranny and restore freedom and some normalcy in the world that's gone crazy in this last 12 months. So without any further ado, I want to get straight into the meat of this. Of, this is such an important podcast of what he's doing, because so many people around the world are anxious. They don't know what's going on. Can we do anything about it? But here's a guy who can actually tell you who's actually putting a lot of action into this and is associated with a lot of people who are doing a lot of action in this field as well. So... Without further ado, Thomas, welcome to the show. Hey, thanks so much for having me, you guys. No, it's a pleasure. But for people who don't actually know you and know what's going on at the moment and probably listen to this for the first time tonight, can you give us a brief just background on yourself? Because I know over the last 12 months you've been working night and day, 24-7, as I spoke beforehand, you're just a regular guy. I know there's so many other people in your area, your profession, who have for want of a better word, they could have done the same as you, but for whatever reason, they choose not to. They're staying silent. There could be many reasons we might get into later in the podcast itself, but how did it become you? Why did you step into this realm of completely engulfing your life in, in literally in the last 12 months, as I said, 24-7? Well, you, you said it. I'm just a regular guy. I, I live in a small town in Ohio in the United States, and I'm, I'm not special. I'm not the... Uh, a historically well-known attorney. I'm not a big shot attorney for a party. Uh, we don't have billionaires backing us. We're just, I'm just a regular guy working with regular people. And yeah, I started following this way back when I was looking at the disease way back in January of last year. Uh, it just, it, the disease struck me as kind of odd because we're talking about, you know, the fatality rates and stuff like that. And from the beginning at no point were the rates or the numbers such that they warranted the concern we were getting. And it was really odd to me. So I started watching this right away. And, you know, I, I watch them build up this, this fear narrative and all these different things. And then we roll around to uh, March in the United States when we start uh, talking about this curve that was coming that was going to shut down the U.S. healthcare system because there were going to be too many sick people. And I said, you know, I'm not sure that we really want to give up our freedoms for something like this. I mean, this disease is at worst, not considered to be anywhere near as bad as the original SARS or the original MERS or tuberculosis or any of a number of other diseases that we don't shut down for. It's just something we're going to have to live with. Uh, but, you know, we chose to shut down and to allow our freedoms to be really just thrown out the window. So, you know, I was pretty frustrated about this. Uh, I had a lady get a hold of me. And I can talk about her case because we ended up going public with it. Uh, she was a stage four cancer survivor immediately post-op and needed to get treatment, uh, follow-up treatment. But because of the lockdowns in the United States, she couldn't get them. So we ended up doing everything we could. We had to get her there quickly and ended up going public with it to try and get it so that she could go to her doctor. There was only one doctor that was a specialist. It's a rare form of cancer. And uh, there was only one doctor she could go to is out of state and she couldn't get there. So uh, we went public and did what we could and we finally got, uh, got her to be able to go. But it was real clear to me then what was going on because we had asked 
the governor's office in the state of Ohio if they could give an exemption for her to travel. You know, he was the governor in the state of Ohio was out there talking about how important it was that we save lives and this, that, and other. And so we asked the office, we said, well, you, you know, you're, you're handing out exemptions for everything else. Can you hand out an exemption for her to travel so that she can go to her doctor? And they just absolutely ignored it. Um, well, that, that really just didn't sit well with me. You know, I mean, why would you, if this is about saving lives, this is a, a real clear cut case of something that we need to take care of, right? But the exemption that she would have required would have been something that, you know, other people would have tried to use. And well, that would have been politically difficult, right? So it was not about saving lives, it was about politics. It became real clear to me. So we fast forward a bit and I found a couple attorneys that were filing a suit here in Ohio and I kind of liked it. And uh, it was related to this disease. And so I went over and I, I just showed up at their door one day and I said, hey, my name's Tom, um, I love your suit. But one thing that I think you're missing is I've done a lot of homework on the science side of this. And it's real clear by the numbers that this disease isn't what they're saying. And I think you ought to include that in your suit. And they said, yeah, yeah. So they included me. And from there, uh, that's through those attorneys, I met the next set of clients, which was my first big set of clients on this in Ohio. And uh, the rest is history. So where are we at the present day at the moment? Because I know you've recently been censored uh, online as well for <laughs> for giving basically a testimony, a 30 odd minutes or so, it basically been censored. Um, do you believe there's any particular reason for that? Because I mean, you're just speaking the truth. Yeah, well, that's for sure. So, you know, everything that we're saying is backed up, right? We have information, but you got to understand this isn't about truth this is about money and power. So what we know for sure is the truth is, is just not a factor in this. We have the statistics, statistics from the CDC, from the different state departments of health. We know what the truth is. The truth is, is that this disease is roughly as dangerous as the seasonal flu and may well be partially uh, attributed to the seasonal flu. We know it's a real disease. We know it kills people but so does the seasonal flu. Um, and by the way, just so that you know, and for all the watch, uh, viewers here, I've lost someone very close to me from this disease and it was a legitimate COVID death. I understand that it's a real disease. I understand that people have died and I have personally experienced just tragic loss from it. That said, uh, the person that I lost was older and had a lot of health issues and was probably at the end of his life anyways. I'm 44 years old. I'm in good health, I work out, I go to the gym. I have a better chance of being hit by lightning than I do of dying from COVID. So, you know, the reality is, is that we have to use a little bit of common sense here, but that's out the window because that would damage the fear narrative. So, you know, what's happening here really is this, this unbelievably corrupt group of people who are far more interested in promoting their own wealth than they are the safety or health of, of the, the world are pushing this. And a lot of this is from the, the people in Silicon Valley. Uh, Google, who uh, is owned by Alphabet, Alphabet, they also own YouTube. Well, YouTube censored my testimony uh, 
in Ohio. And it was very factual testimony. We would stand behind everything we said. They disputed a couple things, but the things that they disputed were nonsense. And, you know, ultimately, the reason that I think that happened was that YouTube is owned by Alphabet, who also owns a huge stake in the pharmaceutical industry. And, you know, there's a ton of money being made right now. There's a huge wealth transfer. You know, all the money that was in the middle class in the United States is being transferred to the wealthy class. And we're seeing a greater divide than ever between the rich and the poor. And that's really what this is. This is consolidating power with the rich. And that's what this is all about. It's not about keeping people healthy. If it was about keeping people healthy, we wouldn't be using an experimental vaccine and telling everybody that it's tested as safe and effective when we don't actually know what's going to happen a year from now or two years from now. If this was about actual health and safety, we'd be fo focusing on early treatment, which has been shown to work by in peer-reviewed studies by doctors, credible, credible doctors around the world. You know, if this was about health, we would be focusing on keeping the people who are actually at risk of disease or danger from this away from it and allowing the rest of us to go back to life. And if it was about health, we wouldn't be watching as the suicide rate skyrockets amongst our children because we're locking them in the house away from their peers, away from their friends, away from their lives, and, and just standing there while we see a higher suicide rate than we do COVID rate amongst children. Yeah, very true in what you're saying. And you talk about the suicide rate. There was actually a guy in Dublin recently and he got stopped by a police officer because in Dublin, in Ireland, the Republic, you're not supposed to go past five kilometers because the virus or so will get you past that stage. So unless it's essential work, of course. So he got sick and tired of being stopped by the police every maybe twice a day on his journey to work. And eventually he just said to him, look, he says, nobody I know is dying from this. I know you've said you somebody have, but the fact of the matter is, he says, what I can tell you, police officer, is four people in my family have committed suicide because of the government measures in what you've done. So now I have four members less in my family because of what you're saying, he said. So what I want to talk a small bit is the conflicts of interest you talked about as well. Because I know in your actual, um, your testimony, you talk about the um, resolve to save lives. If yeah. you tell people a small bit, because that opens a small bit of can of worms as well. Yeah, so resolve to save lives has been working very, very under the radar. The only reason that we even found out about them was a tip from someone from a uh, local health department. Resolve to save lives, we're still trying to find out exactly how uh, involved they are, but essentially they're setting up a lot of these COVID dashboards and they're working to respond, not just in the United States, but in many countries around the world, uh, particularly North, through North America and Europe, is my understanding. Um, but they're doing so very, very covertly, very covertly. And you have to ask yourself why. But Resolve to Save Lives lists as its major donors the Gates Foundation, Zuckerberg Foundation, and the Bloomberg Foundation. Well, the Gates Foundation seems to be everywhere we look on this, right? I mean, Gates is donating to the, the, the media. He's donating to, uh, I mean, he owns the pharmaceuticals. I mean, he's everywhere. And he's the one out promoting this. And we keep giving him more money so that he can promote this further. But he's already making an immense amount of money on this. And it's interesting because, you know, obviously he's got ties to tech. That goes without saying. And to the media. And, yeah, everyone that's involved with Gates seems to be censoring this and hiding from this. 
which is kind of an interesting thing. They aren't, they aren't sharing the other side of the story. And the question is, why would you share the other side of the story? I mean, if I'm wrong, if what I'm saying is incorrect, share it and show why I'm wrong. But they don't do that. What they do is they try and belittle people like me and besmirch what we're saying and besmirch us personally. They don't actually ever argue or present alternative facts. They don't say, here's where you made your mistake. If they said that to me and they were right, I'd go away. But, you know, we're a year into this now and no one has yet shown me where I'm wrong. What they're showing me, is, what they do is they'll attack me personally. They'll attack the people that I work with personally. They'll attack other doctors personally. But there is nothing that they're doing to actually discredit the work. It, it's, a, it's an epic failure. They'll say, oh, these doctors are conspiracy theorists. You know, these scientists, they're, they're just, they're wrong, but they don't explain why and they don't present any evidence that actually shows that they're wrong. And it's really an interesting thing and it's a sleight of hand and it's worked so well because again, Gates has donated so much money and bought so much media. And uh, you know, these same other, the tech companies own and control social media, they control what you see on the internet. So it's really, this is something that's, it's a global coup by the billionaires. It really is, and it's amazing to me because one of the things I see in America, in America particularly, we have people, uh, we talk about the right and the left politically, you know, the Democrats, the Republicans. Well, it's interesting because the Democrats in America and the left wing of America have traditionally rebelled against the idea of the, the extremely rich and powerful running things, but they've been so snowballed in this. And, you know, the real interesting thing here is that a lot of the minority members of the Democrat Party and uh, the people who are socially socioeconomically worse off, yeah, they're they're questioning this. I know because I'm I'm not right or left. I don't care if you're Democrat or Republican. Uh, I just care about our freedom. And you know, so these people are, there are people who are questioning it, but it's it's the rich white suburban liberals that are are of the United States that are really pushing this and then the rich billionaires. And it, it's really counter to what the Democratic Party in the United States has been proclaiming it stands for for a very long time. And I find it very troubling. Yeah, I agree in that sense as well. And what you're saying about Silicon Valley, Gates, the censorship, I've been censoring myself lots of times and they have no answers. I mean, I've no problem debating anybody on a topic that I know I'm tuned in about, but they won't debate me. They just go, you're deleted, you're, you're censored, you're gone. So it just shows I look at the other side like a badge of honor, you're doing something right in, in that area. So you're, you're straight away, when something gets censored, that's the rabbit hole you should go down straight away for people because that's very, very, and if not 100% of the truth, 99.9% .9 of the truth. But I'll pass you over to Rai because I know Rai has personally been in 100 plus court cases himself. So he's anxious to talk to somebody like yourself. So, Rai. Yeah, well, yeah, unfortunately, that's the truth. And what I've witnessed is um, like I, I track it around the world. And when you were talking about the different political parties, what we see in a lot of the countries is the political party changes and the top judges changes. So how can we overcome that? Because that proves the system is corrupt. Yeah, well, I mean, it, it it's really bad. You know, I mean, we're seeing some things uh, occur that, that just, there's no excuse for. I mean, we're talking to political people who know what's going on, but are too afraid to actually do anything about it. 
you know, we had asked some of these uh, state and national legislature, you know, why, why aren't you guys doing this? Or why aren't you taking that action? You know, what's happening that, that you guys are so afraid to, uh, to pass legislation to stop this or stop that? And, you know, they just, they absolutely refuse. They know the truth. We talk to them. They'll admit off record that they know the truth. And yet they're still too afraid to do anything, you know, and it's, it's really a shame. It, it's, it's a sad situation. And it really in America goes to why we have to really take steps to retake our political parties, both of them, the left and the right. I don't care what you believe. One thing that we do all agree on in America is that we want freedom, freedom to live, freedom to choose what you want to do with your life and your body, freedom to, uh, to make your own decisions. And politically, we absolutely must retake our parties. Uh, they don't represent us. They represent the interests of these billionaire donors. And that's, it's, it's an unacceptable thing. And if we want to, if we want to get the corruption out, it's not going to be done with the existing legislatures. We have to get them all out and get new ones. Uh, there's a few good elected officials that I absolutely support, but not many. Yeah, no, thank you. And I mean, like Chris mentioned about uh, the suicides, like, I, I was involved in the High Court in Ireland in regarding property and the way it's done in Ireland is like it's an open room with like 150 cases and I would have been there for eight times. Every single person was being abused by the banks and they were all like they didn't have the proper documentation, but every single person was abused. So the amount of people that have killed themselves and I know that's not just Ireland, that's across the world. So the whole court system has caused way more than what's going on at the moment. And people are like putting their trust in their governments, putting their trust in the whole system, when in reality, the whole system is rotten to the core. Well, within the courts in the United States, and, I, and since we have a longer format here, I'll, I'll share this in a little more detail than what I typically would. So in the United States, when you file a lawsuit, there's kind of two cones that you got to weave through in the federal courts, right? One is called Rule 8. And the other is based on a couple Supreme Court cases, one for, uh, that are I call the Iqbal Twombly standard. Okay, and what it is is Rule Eight says that a complaint needs to be, uh, you know, a short, plain statement of what the issue is, and you know, put it out there. The Iqbal Twombly standard is this, was based on a couple Supreme Court cases, and what it says is if the judge doesn't think your case is plausible, they can throw it out. Right. So what we did when we filed our cases is you know, our cases have never been filed before. They're all cases of first impression. And so it was, a, it was a guess, it was guesswork, right? We were just saying, you know, what's the court going to want to see? So we included a lot of information because we did not want them to be dismissed on plausibility. And I don't think anybody could dismiss our cases on plausibility. I, I really don't think there would be any logical justification for that to happen. So the judges said, well, yeah, but this is too long and too complicated. Okay, so that's fine. Here's the good news. What that means is we now have the judges on record and we know that they want a shorter, plainer statement. So as we refile cases and as we continue to file them around the country, we're gonna use what we've learned from the judges to ensure that we're giving it to them in the way that they want. 
And that's good because, you know, the thing is, is ultimately the thing, the courts are going to have to decide whether or not this emergency was justified. I mean, we can keep filing this until they do. And there's a hundred ways that we can do that. And we will never violate the rules of ethics. That's a really big deal to me that the ethics are everything to me, but our clients deserve justice and the American people deserve justice and the people of Ohio deserve, deserve justice. So we're going to try and make sure that happens. Now, the courts have asked us to, to, you know, when we look at the two standards, the Twombly and the, the Rule 8 standard, they've asked us to move closer to the Rule 8. That's fine. But we would expect then that the courts can't come back and say, well, this is no longer plausible because you were, you know, we're doing what they've asked for. So uh, the good news is, is that now we can write these as the courts have asked and we don't have to, we in theory won't have to worry about the plausibility standard because this is what they've asked. And I mean, this is really a, an interesting thing because with these standards in the courts, the judges, you know, they can dismiss a case because they say, well, it's not plausible. Okay, so then we, we put all this information in to show that not only is it plausible, but, you know, it's correct. And, you know, then we get back, hey, uh, well, this is too complicated. Well, that's fine. We'll, uh, we'll, we'll move it back that way. And, and we do that with respect. I mean, I do. I, I respect the courts. And if that's the way that they want it, night, frankly, I'm going to be real honest with you. I would not want to be the judge in this case. Uh, it's a very, very complex, difficult case. And, you know, the reality is, is that our facts are so indisputable that there's really only one way you can rule on this case. And without really it being a miscarriage of justice. So, you know, but politically, you know, we've been lied to. The American public has been lied to so badly that when the judge makes that ruling, that judge is probably going to get crucified in the press for being a right-wing activist or something of the sort or a COVID denier. And it's not that. It's that the press, we all know the press will not share the truth about this no matter what, because the press is owned by the same people who are making money off of this, which honestly in American, under American law, is I believe a violation of some fair trade laws. Uh, you know, it's, it, and we're looking into that. So, you know, I guess we'll see what happens with that. But uh, there are certainly some issues going going on here when you have uh, people who own one company and then use their money and power to either purchase or to throw money at another company to create an unfair trade system, uh, you know, among amongst the consumers and amongst competitors. And like, you know, when you talk about that, because like with, with the media, you know, they all should be taken to court, to be honest with you, and disgusted with the media around the world. But if I look at the kickbacks, I mean, not just what's happening with the COVID, because we heard the figures between euro and dollars, like thirty-nine or $40,000 if they're put on a respiratory and 14000 if they're diagnosed. That's a kickback. To me, that's fraudulent. And... I'm basically getting a bonus for doing that. I know, uh, like uh, Dr. Eric Napute was talking, he said something like 15% are only private doctors, but the rest are in a kind of hospital system. So they're basically looking after their own, their cells in this hospitals, hospital system. Are you actually, is there a chance that we can go after that as well? Well, yeah, there is. You know, I mean, the issue isn't 
having people to go after. And actually, the issue isn't even whether we can do good lawsuits that should win. The issue is that there's 24 hours in the day and that there aren't enough attorneys working on this. Uh, you know, I'm, I am, I, I don't sleep. I haven't slept for months. Uh, it's around the clock and it's, it's a difficult fight. It's a complicated fight. And there should be a ton of attorneys fighting this, a ton of them. But a lot of the bigger firms have been told don't. And if you want any future government work, don't, don't, uh, don't even consider going after this. And a lot of the smaller firms either don't have the funding or the expertise to do it. And, you know, the thing about that is, is it's interesting. I saw some press here recently where they tried to, they essentially tried to defame me by suggesting that I was uh, overcharging for my work. Uh, I get about 30% of what I bill per month because, and this is the only thing I do. Yeah. There's just not money here. There's not money. We don't have billionaires funding us. We don't have people supporting us, you know, at the level that we need to, to file these other cases. And so that's a real issue, you know, and that's, that does prevent a lot of the smaller attorneys from being able to jump in on this. And it's part of the reason that there's not more in this. I mean, you know, you get a few victories on some, uh, some litigation that, that awards damages and we'll see, we'll see the floodgates open, but we haven't worked too much on that yet because we needed to work on freedom first. Well, I mean, I don't know, is there a possibility of setting up a kind of GoFundMe page on a specific case? So I know that if there was a case regarding the pharmaceutical industry, a lot of people, you know, especially when we know it's funded by Bill Gates in every single direction, the hatred that goes towards that man would have their pockets might actually start opening up and they might start funding you because, you know, we don't expect you to start, you know, uh, taking a 30% cut of your normal salary. And some people are expecting that. They're expecting that you do it free gratis, which is impossible. I mean, if you want the best solicitors, you can't exactly, because if you're looking for everybody to come in free, if there's somebody that's not very busy, you know, it's not the best either. So yeah, it's just, it's just a point in time. And I, yeah, thanks very much for your answer. And I'll, uh, I'll pass you on to Steve. Oh, thanks. And Tom, again, thanks for all you're doing. Um, in Illinois, Mayor Lightfoot uh, was caught publicly explaining how the New World Order can be pushed past the executive branch um, and, you know, giving sort of un, un, illegal, unconstitutional powers to the governors and stuff like that. So. I was enamored with you and that 120 day rule and trying to take the emergency powers away because they're totally unconstitutional, especially in Ohio. As can, I was wondering if you can explain House Bill 90 and why it's so important to get that passed to do that. And is the 120 rule being broken? And is that something that's on the table? Yeah, so that's really interesting. And this is very Ohio specific, but it's also very important. Uh, because it's not uncommon. I mean, every state's got its own laws. But you know, so here in Ohio, uh, and I talked about this in the testimony, you know, we had this 120-day rule, right? And that 120-day rule says that any any regulation that's uh, put out there under emergency guidelines can only last 120 days and goes away. Well, the governor has decided that, well, I'm just gonna call these rules uh, rules rather than regulations, or I'm just gonna call them orders rather than regulations. And because I use a different name for it, 
uh, doesn't count, right? Well, that's about as ridiculous as anyone's ever heard. Now, this, this should not stand, it would not stand. I, I absolutely believe in my opinion that the governor has violated numerous Ohio laws. I mean, that's my opinion. It, the courts haven't decided on it, but that it seems pretty clear to me. So with that in mind, you know, I think that it's a shame that we're talking about passing new laws because we don't, we shouldn't have to. I mean, the existing laws do not allow this in any way, shape or form. And you really have to be doing some pretzels and cartwheels to get to where the, the existing law does allow this. But since the governor doesn't care about the rule of law, uh, he's just doing what he wants. And you know, this is the interesting thing. Our world is still governed by the use of force. Uh, he, the governor controls the police, he controls the law, he controls the guns. So you're gonna listen if he says this is what you're gonna do. And that's what's happened. You know, much like in a military coup, no one likes to think about that, but you know, in a military coup, the military takes over and they say that we run things because we've got the guns and you'll listen. Well, that's that's kind of what's happened, although there's been no resistance, so it really hasn't been anything. And there shouldn't be violent resistance. There should be peace, uh, peaceful resistance as we're seeing. But the peaceful resistance needs to be much more firm. And we need to say enough is enough. House Bill 90 basically enshrines a lot of things that should already be there. Uh, arguably, they are there in some way, in some cases, but you know, the reality is, is that one of two things is true. So in Ohio, we have an executive branch and we have a legislative branch, and they are defi defined separately. The legislative branch makes the laws, the executive branch carries them out. Uh, a number of years back, we in America moved to an administrative state where we have a lot of administrative agencies that are a hybrid of the executive branch and the, the legislative branch. Legally, what they're saying is the reason that this isn't a violation of separation of powers is essentially that uh, there's limits placed on these administrative agencies, right? Well, at this point, those limits are just absolutely moot. There, there aren't any. I mean, to suggest that the governor can, can allow the health department to issue a non-regulation, call it something else that shuts down the state or that does this or does that is absurd. I mean, that, that if that's not a violation of separation of powers, I don't know what is. So either the 120 day rule would have to apply or this is a very clear violation of the separation of powers. And that's just that simple. Now, I think the legislature would, needs to push that, but you know the legislature is doing what they're doing, and I support this HB 90. I do, I'm you know because ultimately whether it's through new legislation, whether it's a win in court, whatever it is, we've got to get this guy to recognize that he is not a dictator. Um, so I support HB 90. Um, I haven't had a chance to review the changes uh, because it's now merged with the Senate bill and they've, they've come up with something. I, so I don't know what the changes were yet, but I did support HB 90 and still do uh, because even though it shouldn't be necessary, if we don't do something, we're stuck with what we have and we need something that's more long-term. We can't let this guy do this because here's a newsflash. He's going to do this anytime he wants if he gets away with it. You know, so whether it's through new legislation or whether it's a win in court, I don't care how we win as long as we win. And that's really what HB 90 does. Now what we have to do is we've got to make sure that it's passed in good form and that our legislature has the courage to override the veto 
which uh, the, the governor's already said that he's going to issue, um, they, they need to have the courage. I mean, frankly, if they don't, I can tell you I'm in talks with people from all over Ohio. Anyone that, that blocks this is gonna get primaried and we're gonna try and get them out of office the hardest we can, uh, you know. So that's a big, big, big deal. Wow. So isn't it just crazy? We live in a world where you have to risk everything to tell the truth. And yeah. You have to be courageous and, you know, risk losing your family, your friends, your reputation, even potentially your life. So I watch your testimony and, you know, to make it, this is not good news, but to, to show that it is real. A friend of mine from California said she, not her daughter, but her friend's daughter tried to commit suicide and is brain dead. Uh, she's 12. Uh, from the fear mongering on the news, she couldn't get out of her head. She was just afraid to even leave the house. And, uh, you know, so what you said in that testimony was the number one cause of death in Ohio for 10 to 14 year olds is suicide. And it's just it's just insanity, you know, that these things people, you know, don't acknowledge them and stop to think, you know, what is going on? So I guess part of my question is in all your testimony where you're literally talking about the elephant in the room, which to me is the truth and no one wants to acknowledge it. And there's double speak and there's, there's, you know, ignoring it, rejecting it, defiling it um, and all that as, as, as much as that is so difficult and disgusting to see. I mean, do you see any progress? Are there good people in the government that want to make change? There are, and there's progress. So let me tell you where, you know, we talked about where this started. A year and a half ago, no one's heard of me, right? And that's fine. I was perfectly content not being heard of. I'm not someone who needs to be heard of. Uh, when my clients on this got in touch with me, I had a handful of regular people. And they didn't know if they were going to have the funding to fight this. Didn't know how they were going to pay for it. They didn't know if anybody was going to do anything. They didn't know if they were going to get crucified in the press. They didn't know what was going to happen, but they knew that they couldn't stand the way things are. And at that point in time, things were getting worse, not better. So I said to him, I said, guys, we're going to have to do a few things. And I'm going to give away a little secret here, right? From the beginning, when I was asked to develop a strategy for this, the strategy always included three parts. There was the stuff we do in the courts. There was the stuff we do to push the politicians. And there's the stuff we do to educate the public. And the reason that's important was it didn't matter whether we get our freedom. This has never been a thing that was meant to be about me. It was meant to be about freedom. So I didn't care whether I get the victory in the court and everybody high fives me for being a hero. What I cared about was that we're free. Whether that happens because our legislature has the courage to pass something or do something, whether that happens because we get a victory in the court, whether that happens because the public demands it, I don't care. I just want us free. And it's really important to understand that because we're fighting our way through the courts and we're nowhere near done. I mean, we have so much more in the courts and I'm very excited about it. I think our prospects are good. It's just a long-term fight and there's nothing I can do about that. Uh, the courts are what they are. But politically, those that handful of people and that nobody attorney from, 
from a little town in Ohio and my partner attorney from another little town in Ohio. Yeah, we, we created Ohio Stands Up. Then we partnered with Make Americans Free Again. You guys know Pam Popper. And we partnered with all sorts of other people. We're working with people all over the country now. All over the world, actually. You know, I mean, we know Reiner real well. We, we absolutely love what he's doing. And you know, those, those nobodies have been pushing really hard. We've got the word out in a much better, much greater way than anybody would have ever imagined. And that's really a big thing. What we're doing right now, you guys having the courage to talk to me and to put my words out there, that's a huge deal. It takes courage. You guys just talking to me takes courage because I'm going to tell you, we've had big, big news media outlets that have told my people, sorry, we can't have Tom on because, you know, our, uh, the owner says no. Uh, and by the way, the owner's getting funding from Gates or his friend with the Gates Foundation or this or that. I mean, some of the big, big names in media, people who you would have thought would be talking about this. So we've seen this. We know what's going on with that. So it takes courage for you guys to even be telling me, but these nobodies, uh, we the people, because this is the people's case. This is the people's fight. This is the people saying, we don't want a global nobility class. We don't want our freedoms to be taken away because you lie to us about how dangerous a yearly flu type disease is. You know? So we nobodies have had an impact. Texas opened up, Florida's open. Mississippi and Alabama are taking steps. States all over the country are taking steps. Is it me? No, it hasn't. It's not me. It's the people speaking out. But if not for people hearing the truth, not just from me, but from everybody that's in this, if not for us getting the word out, if not for us standing for the truth and having the courage to take the arrows that we're taking in the mainstream media, this would be this would, this wouldn't be happening. You know, we've heard from inside people who are inside on this. You know, we just don't know what to do with these guys because they don't seem to care. They don't seem to be getting the message. You know, the mainstream media is ripping them apart. Uh, we're telling everybody, you know, how stupid and how conspiracy theory they are. But guess what? I just saw today that a vast majority of the Trump base, which was a large number of people in the United States, are, are very concerned about the vaccine. And they're very concerned about and don't believe that lockdowns are the right way to go. Now, we've barely touched on the vaccine, but there are a lot of good, courageous people talking about it. Now, yeah, as far as that goes, it's an interesting thing. You know, that, that vaccine is something. You know, I, I read the EUA. I, I don't understand how it's in any way, shape or form legal for them to call it safe and effective in advertising when it hasn't been tested um which it hasn't i mean you know the, the the tests i read the studies i mean they're very 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 just short i mean they're, they're by no means comprehensive and you know it's an, what i'm hearing and i think the i i haven't confirmed this yet maybe you guys could tell me but i heard that uh one of the chief virologists from the gates foundation actually yesterday was talking about the fact that uh, that this is going these vaccines increase the likelihood of you being far more sick next winter when the next uh, round of this goes around. Um, my doctors have been saying that for quite some time. I don't know what's going to happen. I mean, I'm not a doctor, and you know they've explained this to me, but I'm going to be real honest with you. 
That's the problem with not testing something. You can't say it's safe and effective. We don't know what's going to happen next year. But what I do know is that if this if this vaccine does make people sick next year, they're going to say it's a, another more dangerous uh, strain of COVID. They're not going to take it and blame the vaccine. They're going to say it's another more dangerous strain of COVID, and then they're going to try and shut us down again. Well, that's a real issue for me. And if that's true, well, that's a whole other set of lawsuits, and uh, we've got them. They're ready to go. Uh, so. Um, we're kind of working through that aspect of this now too. So. All right. Well, thanks for everything you're doing. And that was uh, great for me. I do have more questions, but I'm going to pass it on to Hartmut and uh, hopefully, hopefully I'll be, get another chance. Thank you. Thank you so much, Thomas, for being here. And um, it's a real pleasure as I, as I also look a lot concerning Rainer Firmish, what he is doing, and I know how tough it is because uh, every, yeah, let's say every day, the shock goes deeper. It's not less, it's deeper. And um, I got the idea, for example, um, we only, the most people focus only on the health issues or, for example, concerning healthcare and um, don't see it from a military or from a, from a geopolitical aspect because this thing is so huge because we understand now or we get the impression that they want to implement a government like China and that China is uh, behind these things. And uh, a couple of weeks ago, we had Cyrus A. Passer from the AI organization here and he, had, um, he made a lawsuit against the big tech companies uh, concerning the supporting of torture and uh, supporting China in um, tracking people in order to put them in the concentration camps. And uh, my idea is, is it is it a better idea to, or why do people don't work together and to bring, to, to attack these big techs, which work uh, very intensively with the communist regime of China, why is it possible to work together so that they got the attacks from different uh, perspectives? Well, I think we need to. I mean, you know, to our, to my mind, uh, I appreciate anything everyone's doing. I mean, you know, listen, I'm doing everything I can to help attorneys to get involved in this to the best of my ability. I mean, it's tough because I'm literally busy constantly. So I can't just stop everything and help everyone all the time, but I'm doing everything I can to support other attorneys where I can. You know, I mean, and it's it's tough because I've got to look at what they're doing and say, okay, you know, this is good or this is less good. And I, I do what I can, you know, of course, I, yeah. of course. <laughs> I thought about, co co I thought about corporation. So that's yeah, well, the, the corporate, the problem is, is that the people who I think would be most likely to stand up for this are the small to mid-sized businesses, particularly in America. But they sat on their hands for so long and that they now, I mean, most of those businesses are out of business. I mean, we've, we have destroyed the middle class in America with this. We've had a year of middle class business being destroyed. And, you know, it's, it's still not done. So the, the question is going to be, how do you fund this fight when there's no one left to fund it? Because all of the money is sitting with the people who have the money. And they just give you what you need to stay quiet. You know, I mean, 
this is a wealth transfer thing. And we need, we need people to pull together. And one of the things that I'm pushing with us is I told my guys, I said, listen, get everybody to give us five bucks a paycheck. Get as many people as you can to give us five bucks a paycheck. That's a latte in the United States, okay? It's a coffee drink. So that's not a big deal. Um, but if we get 10,000 people doing that, I suddenly have a budget and I can hire more attorneys. I can bring in more people. You know, there's only so many attorneys that can afford to work for free. And that's a very short list, you know? So unfortunately without money, and it's not, you know, the money's not, I need enough to feed my family. After that, I'm good enough to, I'm good about taking care of, uh, you know, I want to fight for freedom. I want to fight for our people. And, you know, that's how a lot of these attorneys are, the people that I'm working with. They're good people who just want to fight for freedom. But we've got to have enough money to, to even get that far. So I think really the key is going to be, this is the people's fight. We, the people of the world, the free people of the world, have to band together. And we have to fight this fight. The, and, you know, I hate saying this, but the reality is, is money's a big deal. That's the reason the bad guys have done so well, because they have infinite money. We don't have infinite money. We don't need infinite money because we have the truth on our side. We just need enough money that we can get enough good attorneys involved and enough people involved that we can fight back fully. Now, we're doing that to the best of our ability. And I'd like to say that the attorneys I'm working with now, by the way, when we started, we didn't have any. Now we've got a good group of them. And they're great people. But I will tell you, most of them are working for free or very close to it. And their families are struggling. And that's not right. These guys are fighting for freedom. I'm not talking about myself. I'm talking about some of these, these other heroes I'm working with. You know, New, New Mexico and Maine, and there's a couple other states that we haven't announced yet. And uh, it just attorneys all over the place. If, you guys, if people aren't going to support them, how can they do this? You know, uh, and that's really a critical aspect of this. So the funding is really important. And then having the courage. So I don't know if you guys have heard this. In America, they've got a, th uh, a little thing that they say. They say everybody's seven people away from knowing Kevin Bacon. And what that means, it's kind of a funny way of saying, listen, uh, everybody knows a bunch of people. And the people you know know another bunch of people. And if you get you know, down that stream seven, seven places, you're going to know everybody in the world. So one of the things that we're really trying to leverage is that, right? So when we get people who say, what can I do? And I say, well, you've got to spread the word. No, that's not going to do anything. No, it is. If everybody educates a couple people, it makes a huge difference because we're seven people away from everybody in the world. So the key along with the funding is then getting people to recognize how critical it is that you share this information. The media is not gonna share it for you. We actually have to do what people used to do, which is talk to each other respectfully, because by the way, people won't listen to you if you're not respectful. But we, we have to share this information, send an email, send, pick up a phone, call somebody, talk to them. Or just, you know, if you're really radical, go talk to them face to face. I mean, that's crazy at this point, right? But it's really impactful. And that's one of the things that, that we're doing with Make Americans Free Again is we're promoting, you know, let's have a meeting per week 
and get people together without a mask so that they can talk to each other about this and realize you're not the only person in town that actually believes the way you do. So, you know, these are critical things that we need to do to really make this work. And, and they're the foundation. Freedom has always been predicated on the fact that people will, will fight for it. They will stand up for it. They will say, my freedom cannot be taken away. Uh, when people quit paying attention, they lose it because someone will take it away every time. And, you know, that's it. We've had too many people that haven't been willing to take the steps to, to promote their own freedom. And those steps are so simple. Get with other people. Give a few dollars a week. Just basic, basic things. Do these basic things and you can, you know, there are people, we'll help you. We'll fight for freedom. We'll, we'll, we'll get these other people involved. That's what we need to do. So that's, I think, the key. Thank you. I, um, I really appreciate that because um, I had yesterday a very interesting conversation concerning the Sudan. And the Sudan has, the regime in Sudan has changed. Um, and now the people want to have less corruption in the business, in the, in the government, in the, in the, in the country. And uh, the, you, the impact was done by the youth because uh, so far there was so much corruption and the people were so threatened by the military and uh, the youth, they had enough and they said, come on, shoot me, shoot me, I don't care anymore. And this made the impact, that this courage made the impact so that the regime could change. And at the moment, many people have uh, a lot of, let's say, uh, their, their live living standard is very high still. Yeah. And because of the living standard, they don't want to give something. And they think they can, they can go through it without doing anything. And yeah. this, is, this is the, this is the um, interesting thing. And we have also here in Germany many people who fight for the freedom and who lost everything. Also concerning, uh, also concerning court, police, etc. Yeah, and um, uh, and as you worked very close with um, with Rainer Fulmich, um, because I, I I read an article concerning Israel because Israel is at the moment the country with the most vaccines, and um, now with the first figures from the healthcare from from the healthcare ministry. They could find out that um, 40 percent of the other people, that the mortality of the other people who were vaccinated, increased to 40 percent, and concerning the younger people, 270 270 percent. Do you have concerning Israel any new updates? Do, so what? So that the people can understand, as Israel is the forefront, what will come if they don't stand up. Yeah, Israel's a really scary thing to me, um, and it's really sad. Uh, the, the people of Israel have had to fight so hard for freedom, and they—they just—it it seems like there's never, never a break from the fight for them. And this, this vaccine and the rollout there, uh, you know, my knowledge of Israel is that it does tend to be a pretty efficient country, and they this is no different. They've certainly rolled it out in a very efficient way. The problem is, is what they've rolled out was an untested drug. Yes, um, they've rolled out an untested drug based on some very, very poorly done initial studies that in no way, shape or form actually indicated that this is a safe and effective thing. And uh, now the people are, 
going to be suffering, dying. Now, the thing is, is these politicians aren't going to want to take responsibility for it. So they're going to do everything they can to cover it up. And that's really, really what we're going to see everywhere, right? They were, the politicians were fed a bill of goods on this by corrupt people. And then once it's done, the politicians have no choice but to help cover it up because otherwise it's, it's their rear on, on the line. And I think that that's going to be what happens in Israel. And I think that's going to be what happens everywhere, frankly. Um, and it's really, it's terrifying, frankly. Um, you know, we see in the United States, we're seeing just an unbelievable amount of money and effort spent on, on covering up injuries and deaths on this. Now, I don't know what the rate is. I really don't. Um, I have no idea what the vaccine injury or death rate is. And yeah, I'm an evidence guy. I need to see numbers before I really take a position on things because it's just the nature of my work, right? But here's the thing. When it looks like a duck and quacks like a duck, it's probably a duck, okay? We're seeing a lot of people who are, you know, supposedly, coincidentally, just dying or, you know, having serious, serious reactions. And, you know, like we had a 28-year-old just died here in the United States. And, you know, right after getting the vaccine. And, you know, they're trying to say, well, we can't really say for sure whether this has anything to do with the vaccine. Well, why would a perfectly healthy 28-year-old with no other issues just drop over dead when the only thing that's changed is the vaccine? So here's the problem, though. We've commoditized people's health, and that's happened globally. What's a life worth? You know, what is it worth for us to save a life? Well, if it's your life, it's worth anything, right? If it's a politician's life, it's worth anything. But the politicians making the decisions don't necessarily feel the same way about your cousin, your brother, your mother, your father, as they do about their own. So that's why in America, you know, our politicians have a different health care system and a different this and a different that. And, you know, they live a, they live a privileged life. Uh, and that's, that's typically the way it is around the world. Um, we have to have transparency and truth and information. Okay, that is the number one issue that we've got going on with this. You want to you want to tell me this is safe and effective. Well, why then do you need to cover up the numbers? Why are you hiding numbers? Why are you not sharing all the information? You know, that's the real issue here. All this information, you know, we've dug out lots of information. And when we we've shared it, what we've gotten is a whole bunch of people saying, hey, you know, this is this is corrupt. This is conspiracy theory. This is it. But no one's arguing with information. They're just discounting the, the messenger, right? Yep. What and if we so had true information? You know that, and that's what we need for this vaccine. Is we need real information. And what people need to demand from their politicians is transparency. Pass a transparency bill. You want to tell me this is safe and effective? Pass a transparency bill that puts criminal uh, charges, it makes crimin criminal charges available to anybody lying about this. And then we'll see where, we, where it stands. In uh, 2017, uh, on TED Talk, there was, um, there was the CMO of Moderna, Tall Sachs. And uh, this was the presentation of the mRNA um, vaccination or mRNA, mRNA um, health care 
for cancer treatment. And in this um, presentation, he says that this is the rewriting of the genetic code. So it is he, the CMO of Moderna, said it in 2017 that this uh, that they have disclosed the the software of life. Yeah. 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 And so it is not a vaccination. So it is a crime against humanity. Yeah. But the problem is, where do you want to bring this lawsuit, crime against humanity, to court? This is the biggest problem, I think. Yeah. Well, and it is an issue. I mean, the International Criminal Court should be involved, but the way it's structured, you know, we can't, as private citizens, really force that. And, uh, you know, the, there's corruption. I mean, it's just, yeah, I don't see that. I don't see any of the courts or nations bringing it. So, you know, I think what we have to do as attorneys in various countries, we have to look at our own legal systems and say, what can we bring forward? Now, that's kind of what we're looking at here in the United States is what can we bring forward to bring light to this? And yeah, I've said this a lot of times, and I think it really, really rings true everywhere. If you have nothing to hide, why are you hiding things? So the question I have is, why aren't we doing testimony from these people under oath and be, seeing them asked the hard questions before Congress, before uh, your state legislatures or in court? You know, why aren't these people coming out and under oath saying what they're saying? You know, the, that's the real issue, right? I mean, we have ways that we could do this. Where is the Senate testimony from, the, from these guys, you know, saying in the United States saying, hey, uh, you said this. You said that this was the reprogramming of, of, of the genetic code. Is Were you lying then or are you lying now? Uh, you know, I mean, these are things that should be being asked. Why aren't they being asked? And why aren't we asking our politicians to do that? You know, in the United States, I keep hearing about, well, we're trying to figure out why there's so much hesitancy for this vaccine. Well, you could get rid of that hesitancy real quickly. All you have to do is be transparent. That's all you've got to do. And if what you're saying is true, why would you hesitate to be transparent? And that we all know the answer. I mean, the reason that they're hesitating is because they're lying. They're lying through their teeth. And there is nothing true about this. And that's why no one will say anything on record where they could actually get, uh, get in trouble for it. And luckily, Fauci and in the United States, Anthony Fauci hasn't been able to shut his mouth long enough to, to let this run. So, and he's had to answer a few questions. So we've got a bunch of stuff on him, but, uh, you know, ultimately I'd love to see some of these, uh, some of these, uh, manufacturers of this stuff be asked questions under oath. And here's the thing. I'm not a doctor. So if I'm wrong, answer the questions under oath, let the doctors look at it. And if you didn't, if there's no problem, fine. If you're lying, you should go to jail. I mean, it's just that simple. You should be sued for all of the money that you're making off of this, the trillions of dollars. But, you know, that's, that's we'd have to have politicians that had courage to do that. You know, and uh, I, think um, in, uh, I think in Germany and a few other countries, you know, my mentor was a Nuremberg prosecutor. Uh, mm -hmm. You get some, uh, some, some of you guys, uh, that code holds hold some real uh, legal force in some of these countries. And, uh, you know, experimental treatments, I believe, are illegal under the Nuremberg Code. Uh, 
we just need the right people to bring that case in the right country. Unfortunately, I, the way the law is set up in the United States, uh, I'm not sure that it's the best country to bring it in, but the case needs to be brought. Um, the last question, um, because I think sometimes in solutions and uh, the situation is as a normal person, I'm facing the, per I'm facing the uh, police, I'm facing maybe a doctor who wants to force me to make a PCR test or who wants, maybe he wants to force me to get a vaccination, I think, something like that. Uh, is it a solution to ask the person who wants to, yeah, to, to treat me, to ask him for an affidavit? I think affidavit, I hope this is the right word and I pronounce it right. Affidavit is um, a specific confirmation that nearly under oath, yeah, you have to write it down, um, that this is not a hidden vaccination, for example, that the PCR test is not a hidden vaccination or that this, that this vaccination is, um, uh, makes no harm to me. Makes this sense, for example, if I say to the policeman, okay, give me an affidavit that this is only a test, that this doesn't harm me, and then I will do it. Is this a possibility solution? Because I, if he gave me this statement, then I can, then I can make me maybe can go uh, to court later and can say, hey, listen, he gave me this. I want to put him in jail. Yeah. So, in the the law on that varies, and and you know, there's a lot of different countries. You guys are from a lot of different places, and so the law on that varies in different countries. And there's been a lot of people talking about that in the United States. And, you know, in the United States, and particularly in Ohio, honestly, that's not going to be overly effective. Uh, the problem is, is that in Ohio, for, the police officer wouldn't have authority to give you something. And the police officers aren't forcing vaccination or anything in Ohio anyways. Now, I know that in some countries, uh, vaccination is being pushed in a more forceful way and testing is being pushed in a more forceful way. Um, we don't have quite the same situation. What they're doing in the United States, that wouldn't work legally in the United States. So what they're doing here instead is they're trying to get employers and private companies to force this, which I believe is absolutely illegal. And you know we're going to be suing some of these private companies for doing this coming up. So uh, the idea though that you know, a local police officer or someone can give you an affidavit. Now, if if in your country the law would, would be useful for that, then then by all means. I, I just can't speak to it in different countries. In the United States, though, the problem is, is that, you know, first of all, a police officer locally is just doing their job and they don't they don't really know the difference and they, they wouldn't have the authority or capacity to attest to that under oath. And, you know, it would certainly be outside the scope of their, their job. So if we sued them afterwards, we would just be suing that police officer. So it wouldn't actually change anything. You know, I mean, because so I sue that police officer. Yeah, well, that's not going to change anything nationally. Um, in other countries, like I said, if your law is different, and I, I suggest, you know, we got a lot of wonderful lawyers working on this around the world. And if you've got lawyers who are advising you for that in your countries, by all means, you know, follow follow the law of your country. Um, in the U.S., though, I don't think that it would be tremendously valuable to go that route. I think the more valuable thing is is coming together 
and putting political pressure on our elected officials, continuing to file big lawsuits that that have an impact, and uh, you know maybe suing employers and suing and suing companies that are discriminating against people, uh, things like that. I think there's there's a better approach. Thank you so much. I give to Grace. Thank you so much. Was was a real pleasure. Thank you. Thank you all. And I'm going to turn your hands. When I first heard of your name, I was really happy because you, I think you were the first one, the first lawyer in the United States whom I heard working on this. And sometimes it just takes one person to lead and be the trailblazer of in this effort. And um, so thank you. And for all those viewing, I'd like to thank you for being here with us. And thank you for sharing this. And thank you also for the comments. And also for all of us podcasters, this is really what I feel that when we come together, then there's more power. And and so each of us inspire each other. So when we see you, Attorney Rance, and the rest of the frontliners, that keeps me and others, you know, like the spark continues. <laughs> As we say lately, it's been a marathon. So um, some of the comments of the viewers I like to share so that, because I, I want them to know that every comment or, you know, is important. I, there's one here from Elsa and she did mention about an attorney, Reiner Fulmich, sounds like a German lawyer and from Fox, Volkswagen and Deutsche Bank. And the lawsuits are all over the world as attorney Renz also said. And then, um, comments like there uh that the, the that whatever the whatever those who control they're testing it on us so it's a great experiment right so and uh peg uh you know she's a lawyer and i peg she has a question uh why not team up i i think peg he he attorney rents you just kind of missed it and but he is already with the rest of the frontliners doctors coming together like dr popper and in the make americans free again and of course the lawyers got the ohio's stands up and and then there's this question of and which partly you answered and hartmut mentioned that also i say that what can we do if they mandate vaccines and of course some people ask can they really mandate back vaccines and this from biden's speech it looks like they will mandate vaccines uh, and I, i'm just reading this off entirely you know and feel free Dr. Or attorney Rents, to make any comment or any of you. And then so to some viewers also, it says um, too many believe that they are not personally empowered and otherwise without influence and not a coincidence that reference to conspiracy appears in viral um, trust law. So misinformation had previously prosecuted as libel or slander. So today, truth is censored. And, and so, if can, and then... If I can uh, put in something, because so you guys asked a really important thing. You mentioned uh, the comment about the vaccines being mandated, right? So in the United States, I'd love to tell you guys a little bit about this. Uh, in the United States, 
the idea that you can mandate a vaccine comes from a case that was back in the early 1900s. It's called Jacobson v. Massachusetts. And that case uh, was, the, the court was asked, could a guy who refused a vaccine be, be uh, penalized $5? That was what they asked. And the court said yes. And that was it. Um, somehow, from that case, they've decided that in America, you can lock people up in their houses and force tests and everything else, right? Which is one of the most absurd things I've ever heard. Jacobson does not allow for this stuff to happen, okay? Now, in terms of vaccines, let me offer something, okay? Jacobson was overturned. Very, very few people are talking about or realize this. I included this in some of my casework, and we're going to be continuing to work on this. But Jacobson was overturned explicitly in a case called Planned Parenthood v. Casey. And this is news. We haven't, I don't think I've talked about this on the news anywhere yet. So this is going to be a big thing. Planned Parenthood v. Casey actually cites Jacobson in saying that even the state's interest in preserving life is secondary to preserving one's own bodily integrity. And I'm paraphrasing a little bit, right? But what that means is that when, this, when Roe v. Wade happened in the United States, which was the case that allowed for abortion, uh, the court made a decision that bodily integrity was a fundamental right and that that right was so important that uh, even if it meant killing a fetus, you, you still had that decision. So that, that decision was discussed in a whole slew of cases. And then in Planned Parenthood v. Casey, like I said, they actually in their decision noted that uh, the state just doesn't have authority over your own over your body, my body, my choice, right? And so if they mandate this, I'm just going to tell you right now, we're going to be challenging this based on that law. I mean, that law is as clear as day. Uh, if you're going to say that you have the right and the control over your body to decide whether or not to kill a fetus, you certainly should have enough control over your body to determine whether or not you want to take an experimental vaccine. I mean, I don't think there's any question. There's no, that, that would be the most inconsistent and just egregious miscarriage of justice in history if that happened. So, you know, I, I don't believe legally they have any chance of mandating this. And I'm just going to tell you, we're going to fight that immediately. Um, I don't care. Uh, my family's vaccinated. Up until this all happened, I had never questioned vaccines. I'd never, I didn't even know what health freedom was. Well, now I know. And now I know why people have been questioning this, right? Um, my kids will not get this COVID vaccine. I will not get this COVID vaccine. And if I can help it, anybody in my family won't. Um, I've had family members that have already, and that's too bad. I'm worried about them. But I will tell you right now, that if they try and mandate this, we'll be in court the next day. We have the we have the cases ready. We have stuff ready. If they mandate this in any way, shape, or form, and you know we 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 know there's risk managers that are listening. If this is mandated by law in the United States, we'll see you in court the next day. Same thing for vaccine 
passports because I'll tell you, let me tell you about the vaccine passports. They're discriminatory. They're extremely discriminatory. Some of these vaccines have aborted fetus cells in them. Let me tell you what, as a Christian, should I choose not to take them for that reason? You can't discriminate me against me under our constitution and under the Religious Freedom Restoration Act. There are also people with medical exemptions. So the idea that you're going to limit or be allow discrimination, you better, I'm going to tell you right now, if they want to try and push that, just be ready because we're coming at you all guns blazing. And I'm going to tell you right now that I do not know how you're going to justify, given Planned Parenthood v. Casey, given the Religious Freedom Restoration Act, given uh, rules related to ADA and medical exemptions, given all these laws, you cannot implement a, a vaccine passport in this country. And if you try, I, we will be suing you for every dime that you will ever imagine having in your life times 10, and we will enjoy every second of it. Sorry, I'm, I get fired up about this because I'm. This is, this is absolutely unacceptable. You cannot discriminate against people uh, for for religious purposes. For you can't. I mean, it's just wrong and it's sick. And these bigoted monsters behind this. You know, well, we want our freedoms back, and we're gonna we're willing to fight for them. Yes, um, we are all in this together. You know, we really get fired up and inspired. So thank you so much. And then um, someone someone mentioned that a number of countries in Europe has pulled AstraZeneca because of deaths already. And so then there's a question is there to, uh, an additional comment that says, however, they are trying to downplay it and discarding these deaths not related to the vaccine. So that's just a comment from 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 the viewer, and of course, uh, Nuremberg doctors released to form USCIA. She said, and there's some. This person uh, said, "See Fort Detrick: Biowarfare and Human Experimentation, Nazi since World War Two." So, uh, and uh, let's see. Um, that's just intense. This this conversation is outstanding. So I really appreciate everyone's presence. And uh, Tom, please um, let's. I want to bring it back to like a day to day thing, okay? Daily thing, because I know what you're doing and others in the bigger picture really is very important because go down to the root. But for like that, so that the the, the little ordinary people like us in our day to day can be encouraged. I, there, there's this dentist and she is, she doesn't, she sees the narrative. So in short, in her office, she, there's no sign that you have to wear anything. She doesn't check any temperature. So then she goes to the store, she wants to buy something and she doesn't wear her mask. And when she was about to pay the, the, the cashier, they didn't want her to buy anything. So I said, okay, fine. You don't want my money, then I'll go to another store who wants my money. So that's what she, at least she's doing on her own. And I know in New Jersey, there's little groups of people, some of us who gather just like inspired by Dr. Popper and the Make Americans Free Again and New Jersey for Freedom gathering here and there. And in fact, in uh, next month, I'm gonna bring some of them together in a live stream. So. 
they can share also what they're doing and then other states can be inspired and and then um but how about those people again who when they are like in a restaurant and they cannot get in because they don't want to be accepted uh, or they they then the, some people get start to harass them do you have any little tip for them so that they can handle it well and they won't be upset or anything so i'm going to tell you that unfortunately we live in a time where a lot of very smart people have been lied to so convincingly that they believe that if you're not wearing your mask you're you're uncaring or some sort of a monster and it's a lie but you're not going to change anyone's hearts or minds by getting angry so and honestly if you're going into a restaurant you're not going to have time to change anyone's mind anyways you know you have to pick your battles uh we i'm a big fan of martin luther king and the way that his his approach was implemented peaceful resistance right uh, uh don't go to the back of the bus just don't it's just that simple you don't have to and you know you got to decide what you're willing to do now i i encourage people to follow the law, but you've got to decide what you're willing to do. You know, are you are you going to let your rights be abridged or not? If it's worth the fight, then you decide what you're going to do. But uh, I encourage people to, to really look at this from a perspective of what can I do peacefully and within the law to make a change? And I think, you know, Pam's idea of building groups one of the things that they're doing is, you know, build your group and then go out and frequent small businesses that support no masks, that support what you're doing. Give them your business so that they can stay open, you know, things like that. Um, I'm going to be releasing here coming up some legislation that I'd love to see people push in every state of the union. Uh, let's, let's pass this legislation. Um, yeah, I think that's something that people can do. But I think when you go to a restaurant or go out somewhere, I think you're just going to have to understand that ultimately I disagree with what they're doing. And I think there's there's going to be a lawsuit. Uh, we'll get to it eventually. We're going to sue someone for discriminating against someone who can't wear a mask under the ADA or whatever. Uh, you know, pick your law. We will do that. We haven't got there yet. And it's just a matter of time in the day. You know, we we're, we want to push this in the way that we think is going to be most effective to get freedoms back. And we think it's working pretty well. You know, you don't have to win in court. We're trying to win in court and we intend to win in court. But before we win in court, it looks like we may get some wins politically. I mean, you know, that's a big thing. So the court process is inherently slow. The political thing can be faster. So help us with that. Right. And everybody can do that. Call your elected officials. Say, hey. You want me to vote for you? You better give. You better vote for me now. And voting for me vote means voting for freedom. So I think the most effective thing you can do is be peaceful, be respectful, educate people. You can't send this information out enough. The real information. Take you know, take excerpts from any of our lawsuits. Send them out. Share them with people. They're inarguable. That's all cited. You know, share that information to everyone you can. That's why we publish it. That's why we put it out there for everyone to see, which is a big risk, you know, but we felt it was the right thing to do. So that's what I encourage people to do. Do what you can do successfully. 
Um, I don't think that it's useful to waste time on things that can't work. Thank you. And this will be just one little story I want to share, especially to the viewers. Never really, for me, don't be scared of anything or be even if you're scared, there's always a way around every law. As far as I'm not a lawyer, but I did it. So in 1980s, and I was fresh from the Philippines, and I just, right away, I learned about these things. But what I did in my power, when I got pregnant already, when I was delivering my baby, I wrote a letter to my doctor, please do not vaccinate my baby or me, or if what happened to me, because if I become unconscious without any of my, please do not do blood transfusion because or else I will sue you. I have that letter and I did that. And then when he was ready to go to school and from buying a book of people who have written about vaccines, I've copied a letter at the back why I don't want my, my child to be vaccinated and here's my exemption. And I didn't have, I wasn't in any group. So this is even for me, it's a difficult time, but it is empowering time because now there's Ohio stands up, make Americans free again. And now we know that Dr. Uh, Dr. Tenpenny has been working on this for years. So if I can do that, a little person from the Philippines, a simple immigrant, and, and anyone you can do what you need to do to protect yourself. So thank you, and I'll pass it on to Chris or whoever. Um, Hartman, please, you, you wanted another question there as well, just in yes. the last nine, nine or 10 minutes that we've left. Yes, thank you, thank you, Chris. Uh, Tom, um, as we talked about with mandatory vaccination, there will be no mandatory vaccination. They do it differently. For example, here in Germany, we have, uh, I know a doctor, and in the hospital, they got all, all the doctors got already the vaccination. And for example, from 40 uh, doctors, only three don't want to take it, didn't want to take it, and 37 took it. And now these three have to sign contracts if someone gets coronavirus and they were not vaccinated, they have to pay a penalty of 25,000 euros, et cetera, et cetera. And the same, I guess, the same they will try to do with the shop owners that, for example, if they uh, if they are not willing to make the fast PC fast tests, and and maybe in the future they want uh, they want to get vaccinated people, so that if something happens within the shop, they ask for a penalty of twenty five thousand euros, and this will be and the, and for this reason the shops and for example the hospitals will exchange the general terms. Do you have any comment about that? I think that's abhorrent at best. That's one of the worst things I've ever heard. That's corruption in, in the flesh. I'm gonna tell you that what these people need to do. So one thing that I, a lot of people lose sight of, and we're sitting here and we're gonna talk and you know maybe millions of people will hear what we say before this is done, right? Here's the thing, power is not in Washington or in Berlin or in, Power is with the people. You need to get, if your local shops are worried about this, you need to get your groups together, find every like-minded person you can, and you need to say to your local politicians, we may not have the votes to change the presidency, 
but I can vote you out of office. And if you do not support our right to, to say no to this, we will vote you out of office. You need to fight for us because the problem is, is that you don't have control. Everybody thinks that you've got to get control of, of the president or the prime minister or, well, that you aren't going to, you, you can't. What you can do is you can use your power locally. Listen, if you want my support in the local election, you absolutely are going to have to fight for me harder than anyone has ever fought. I don't care how uncomfortable it is for you. You have to have some courage. And you know, it only takes a handful of people in the local election to make a difference. And that's the difference. And you see, the power is with the people. We have to rise up locally. We have to make our groups locally, and then we have to coordinate with each other. So that's my recommendation, is get your people together locally and tell your local politicians, you will stand up for an exemption to these fines for me, or I will I will find someone else to take your position. Oh, yes. Thank you so much for the statement. It was real honor, it was a real honor to have you on the show. It was, I really appreciate it and uh, good. Much success, not good luck. Much success in, in uh, also in the next future. Thank you so much. Thank you. Um, you know, we're talking about you know taking different people down. What about? Because I know that if we can take one leader down, it can have a ripple effect around the world. What about the deception of them pretending they're getting a vaccine? Because we've seen that with a few of the leaders. Could we actually take them out because of that? Well, I mean, I think if you can prove that that's false, I think there's certainly a lawsuit to be had there. I mean, in the United States, um, that that's something that I think the lawyers in the, the different countries should be looking into, and you should look into whether or not you can prove that. I think if you could prove that any of these people did not actually get the vaccine that they claim to, that that would be monumental. Now, they'd hide it in the news. It would be buried. It would be covered up. But I think that's really an amazing thing if we could prove it, but proving it is a very difficult thing. And so that's that's really the, the, the main issue. And I will tell you right now, one thing that we have to all be aware of, we are going to be painted as less than credible, as conspiracy people, as nutcases, as this and that and other. When we spread things that we can't prove, we lose. We lose our credibility. We lose our ability to fight this. So I, I'm sure you guys have noticed, I'm careful about what I say, right? I'm, I, I'm very careful. I have to be, right? Because if I'm not, they're looking for a reason to censor me, to, to say I'm not credible, to say I'm a conspiracy theorist. Yeah, so, so be very careful. Just because even if you know it in your heart to be true, if you can't prove it, you gotta be careful what you're saying. Because a theory is just a theory. There's a big difference between a theory and evidence. And we have to discipline ourselves to be above the fray. Yeah, perfect. Thank you, Tom. Well, that pretty much brings an end to this week for our Saturday Night Live with the Freedom Broadcasters. Um, I know, Tom, it's been amazing having you on. And I hope all the people that are listening or the people that are listening afterwards to the recording as well of this just get empowered and say, look, we're not alone. There's people like yourself on the ground and many, many others as well uh, doing tremendous work just to make, you know, free America, free the world of this, you know, global that's going on 
everywhere. So um, yeah, I really hope people take away from what you're saying and what you're actually doing as well is is fantastic. But um, is there anywhere people can support you, help you? Um, any final words or announcements you want to make before we actually wrap up yourself? Yeah, well, I mean, you can support me through Make Americans Free Again, Ohio Stands Up, uh, you know, some of the other various Stands Up groups that we're working with. But I want to urge you, this isn't about me. Support the people in your country that are fighting for your country. They need it. I'm sure they need it. So, you know, I appreciate the support and I'll take any I can get. But support the people who are fighting in your countries because it needs to be fought everywhere. And as far as wrap up, let me tell you guys something. I'm literally nobody important. I'm a dad. I'm a husband. I'm a son. I am a regular guy. I walk my dogs in the park. I do regular things. I am not special in any way, shape, or form. What I am is unwilling to give up my freedoms and absolutely willing to fight. I don't care if you call me names. I don't care if you, uh, if you dislike or disagree with me. I don't have to be rude or mean. I don't have to be a horrible person to believe in what I believe in and to stand for it. I urge you all to do the same. You don't have to be special. You don't have to be anything. You don't have to be rich. You don't have to be famous. You have to be willing to take a stand. And I want to encourage everyone that hears this to have the courage, take a stand, educate people in a kind way, in a good way, share this information. Tell your politicians, we're going to hold you accountable and then do it. Your local politicians, because your prime minister is not going to listen. Your president's not going to listen. We're not that special. This is the people's case. This is the people's fight. And if we want to win this, we have to start from the bottom and work our way up. It's not the other way around because we don't have billionaires. We have regular people like me. So please have the courage, stand up, save your future, save your children. We can't, we can't let this happen. We have to save our kids and our families. Thank you guys so much for having me. Oh, thank you, Thomas. It's Thanks, been a Tom. pleasure. Thank you very, thank much. You very much. And uh, we wish you all the support that we can give and others that are listening as well and all the people on the panel here as well. We'll be following your work and support in any way we can. So thanks again for taking your time out of the day because we know you're you're, you're around the clock 24-7. So we appreciate you taking that this hour and a half or so today. It's, just, it's been tremendous. Thanks very much, Tom. Thank you. Thank you, Rosary. Thank thanks, you. Tom. Thank you, thank you very thank you. much. And for next week, um, for everybody tuning in, next Saturday night we will have uh, Greg Wrighthouse on Inconvenient Facts on CO2 Coalition. So until next week, from all the, on behalf of the Freedom Broadcasters, we'll see you then. All the best and take care. Thank you. Thank you so much. Bye-bye.